Welcome to this sermon from Silver Lake Baptist Church. Our mission is to celebrate the greatness of God with all we are for the joy, hope, and renewal of our community. We are so glad you have chosen to listen to our message. We pray you will be blessed by your time with us today. Good morning. Let's pray. Father, thank you for the opportunity to just gather here in your name and in your presence and just speak to us this morning, um, just from your word and from your life. And so I just submit myself to you, Holy Spirit, speak through me in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Cool. What a beautiful song, man. I was listening to that like I, I could just imagine angels singing that with us. You know, it is well with our soul, you know. And so in the midst of the apocalypse, (laughs) and um, you think I'm talking about a different apocalypse, I'm actually talking about the time change. (laughs) Because like, man, you want to mess your day up? I mean, get up an hour early. I mean, what? I mean, who come up with this stuff? I'm, I'm telling you, it's, it's like, and then they're like, actually, you don't get up an hour early, you're just, we're just going to change the clock. And I'm like, yeah, right. <laughs> I mean, they think we're dumb. I mean, seriously. And so it's like altering the whole universe around us. And so, so I was praying. I was like, man, you guys are brave. You guys stormed, or um, didn't storm, but you guys have, have conquered, Right? the time change apocalypse, and you guys have braved the coronavirus. And so I was like, man, you guys got some grit. But, you know, because I was like, oh, I'm going to be back to the preaching the chairs days maybe, but no way. You guys are right on fire. And so it's kind of funny because, like, you're going around everywhere and nobody wants to shake hands. You go up and say, hey, how you doing? They're like, ah! I was like, sorry, excuse me, you know? I was, it's just I want to shake your hand because I've been so so um, so glad to see you because I just got back from China. <laughs> you really mess with people, then. If you do that, you're in trouble, man. It was just like saying, "Come here, sick them, right?" Hey, guy, last night we were, we did a, a cruise, a, a Northwest Baptist planning, and Nam had a couples cruise, and so we're on the cruise, and this guy's talking, and I'm talking to these guys, and this guy goes. Are you ever serious? <laughs> and I was like, Are you kidding me right now? Like, we're on the cruise in the middle of apocalypse. There are quarantine and chips everywhere, and you want me to be like sober and serious? <laughs> no way. No way. I was like, I'm not going to be serious, and I'm not going to change, and I'm going to be myself. And so, a lot of times, people don't, like, like they get. You can become infectious, and man, and when I figure out I can like get under that nerve, and if you don't, if you want me to be serious, you're out of luck, because like I'm gonna start cranking it up. So good luck. We can't afford to be anybody else than than ourselves, and it's like like the joy of the Lord's my strength, and He can be our strength in the middle of the of the time change apocalypse and the coronavirus, and like you may not know what someone's been through. You don't know what they're going through or where they're at. And so sometimes it's just a testimony. Say, hey, I've got joy in the midst of 
all hell falling around me. I've made it through. And that joy doesn't come from my outside circumstances. It comes from the inside of my heart. And the fact that I can have fun and the fact that I can rejoice, it isn't like someone being goofy. It's like a genuine expression that I am so thankful that I have a God who's with me and in me and through me and who does all things in my heart and gives me joy in the midst of everything else. And if we can't have fun, even when we're going through hell, what are we going to do? And so like some, I mean, I've been places where I could barely breathe. It hurts so bad. And, and just to just take that next breath and that next breath. And so when that joy comes, I appreciate it so much. And I'm so thankful for it. I was thinking last year when we went on the it's not like on a cruise ship, so don't worry, I'm not contaminated. <laughs> Bunch of people didn't show up, so we had like more food than we could handle. It was like, thank you, Jesus, for this. This is a blessing. <laughs> right? I can even go to the store. Like Costco's easy to get into now, you know? It's like, whoosh, you know? So they don't have any toilet paper, but besides that, <laughs> right? Where was I at? Right? But anyway, it's that joy that comes into our heart. And, and we need that joy in these times and, and, and sometimes going through stuff. And sometimes, um, sometimes that, that heartache that you're going through, know in the midst of that, that there's joy, right? And that joy's not coming from your circumstances, right? Happiness only lasts for a season, right? I was real happy when I got my Mini Cooper, right? But, and I'm happy I have my Mini Cooper, right? But there's times where I see like, a, oh man, there's a Range Rover Velar. <laughs> so now I'm kind of cheating, getting wondering eyes. You know what I'm talking about? So that happiness and that last for a moment, but the joy, the Bible says, the joy of the Lord is our strength. When everything else around us is falling apart, we can have a peace and a joy knowing that, that we don't depend on the outside. We depend on the king of the universe. And he strengthens us from the inside. And I know there's people in here. Every one of you know what I'm talking about. And so don't ever hide that. Don't ever be afraid to be excited about Jesus or excited about, about who you are. Or be yourself, right? What you see up here is what Linda gets at home. So her prayers, I mean... I'm sure she would love for you to be praying for her continually. Right? Yeah, everyone's like, amen, right? So be yourself no matter what and love God. And in the midst of all this, um, I refuse to be afraid. Right? And there's no need for us to fear. And so we we have a big God. And so I was praying and comes and you know it was funny how I could I couldn't figure out a title for today and then God gives it to me with the time because I think it's the time and the season because it's spring forward you know and so I think so much of the time we look back on the past and we're like oh my gosh look at the past and look at all this stuff that's going on and look how how bad it is and look maybe it's look at what I've done Maybe, maybe you're struggling in your walk, and maybe you're struggling in some other things, and, and you're like, I don't even know if God loves me anymore, and I want to tell you something, He does. 
he's not just God of the second chance, but the third and the fourth and the 800th and the millionth. And I've needed a few million chances in my life with him. But it's just his grace and his goodness. He loves you so much, he will reach you right where you are, and he'll love you just like you are. Abraham lied to, to about his wife, said, this is my sister. He didn't do it once. <laughs> right, you think that's bad enough, because you figure if you'd done it once, if I'd have done that once to Linda, I'd be dead. <laughs> There'd be, like, no second chances for that. But he did it twice, Right? And she didn't kill him the second time either. And both times, do you know what happened? God didn't punish him. He blessed him in the midst of it and used that to promote him. Wait a second. What's going on? I've never heard that. We look at believers and we look at people and they're struggling or this or that. And you think, well, you better get that right because God's going to, he's not going to give you no more chances. And that's, that's religion. And that, that's straight from the pit of hell because God's got many chances. Now, I don't want to, like, try him. I know I already do. But, like, I want to walk. I want to know him when I get that relationship and I know who he is. And I'm walking with him like, yes, this is a life. And I've got fellowship with him. And I've got him included in every part of my life. You guys understand what I'm talking about? And so he's not just the God of one chance or two chances. But he's like, you know what? It's time to put that past behind you, right? I was in college, and um, I'd ran from God when I was in college, and when I got, gave my heart back to Jesus, like, I was a freak. Like, you know how when you first get saved, you're so excited about Jesus? You know, I was just all excited all the time, going around. I was in the horse program, and this one guy comes up to me that I've been going to school with, and he's like, hey, James. I was like, yeah, he goes, can I talk to you for a minute? And I was like, sure. And he's like, I just want to tell you something. There's something different about you. What happened? And I was like, oh, man, I gave my heart. I surrendered my heart back to Jesus because I was saved, but I wasn't living like I was saved. No. I wasn't happy. I was miserable, right? And so he's like, he's like what, what happened? And he's, he's like, oh, man, because I was hoping it was a drug or something. <laughs> I was like, what? I was like, why is that? I was like, well, you can have this. And he's like, oh, no, I can't. I was like, yeah, you can. He goes, no. He goes, you don't understand. He goes, he goes um, you don't understand what I've done. God would never accept me. And I was like, no. I was like, that's not true. I said, said his name's Tom. And I was like, Tom, I don't care if you killed 10,000 men and ate them. God would still love you. He's like, no, I don't believe that. I was like, why is that? He goes, because I've done something worse. And then... There's a time when you're talking to people where you're like, should I probe or should I run? That was one of those times, right? But I got bold. I was like, what? There's nothing. I mean, I was like, what could be worse than killing 10,000 people and eating them? I mean, really? I mean, yuck. In the first place, I mean, that's not even kosher. Unless you're like one of those mythical creatures that is person on top and cloved hoof on the bottom, then that might be, a, be up for debate. We'd have to have a rabbinical conference about if that's kosher or not, right? So Tom sat in there. I was like, okay, Tom. I was like, I was like what's worse than that? And he's like, I was a Satanist. I was like, was? 
And he's like, yeah. But he's like, God would never accept me. I was like, oh, that's it? I was like relieved. I was like, and So I was like, you know something? I'm going to pray that God just gets a hold of you and, and, um, and just changes your heart. And I'll tell you what. He went, went to go, um, go to work. He got a flat tire. And he's just like griping. Went, was late for work. Got fired from his part-time job. Shows up to, to, the, um, to the horse program. And in this horse program at this time, like we had to get a, on a horse with a saddle, with an English saddle, without a cinch. We had to walk, trot, and lope the horse. Now, that's challenging enough, but it's really challenging when you're running from God. Right? Because Tom sat in there, we're like doing our thing, and it's really hard to get on a horse and to keep that saddle balance. So he's walking, and pretty soon he's riding the horse's ears and flipping over and falling. And just like and the instructor's yelling at him, because he is like a yeller. You could hear him all the way up at the dorm rooms and um, the other classrooms. And, and Tom's just like, oh, my God, oh, my God. And so um, he survived that. So I go home, and I'm like, what is up with Tom? He's really messed up. And so I hear this knock about 11.30 at night on my door, and it's Tom. He's like, I give up. <laughs> he said, I give up. I don't know what you sicked on me, but I've had enough. And he gave his heart to Jesus, and he's actually a pastor today. And so isn't it crazy what God will do and how God will reach someone? And you might think that you're so far gone and too far lost and that there's no hope for you. And I'm like, I know, I know I'm probably not talking to anyone in here. <laughs> but maybe I'm talking to someone there too. But maybe I am talking to people in here too. Because there's stuff that we've done that we're still holding on to that guilt and to that shame. And we're like, you know what? I could be closer to God and I could go farther with God. But if I would just, if I could just get rid of what this happened to me in 1922. <laughs> that's just, you know... A number, not that most of us were here in 1922, right? Right? God says, I, w- I don't want you walking in guilt, and I don't want you walking in shame. That's not from God. The Bible says he convicts the sinner of sin, but he convicts the righteous, the godly of righteousness. And so he's like, you're my son, and you're my daughter, and I love you so much. I want you to walk in my righteousness. So now I have a different level of where I'm walking with him. And, and the Bible says that he was a friend of Abraham. We call him Lord, and we call him Savior, and we call him God. But he's also our friend. He's our father, too, right? Before he was our, our father, though, he was a friend to Abraham. But then when he became a father, Jesus brought it up, and he said, Our Father who art in heaven, it like totally warped the minds of everyone around him because they knew him as Adonai. They knew him, knew him, can't talk. They knew him as Yahweh. They knew him as El Shaddai. But they didn't know him as Father. They didn't call him Abba. He's like, God. You know, like to this day, the Jewish people won't even write the word God. They won't write the O-D. Like I, I don't either out of respect a lot of times, but it's G-D because he was so revered. But then you read, 
He was Abraham's friend. Abraham walked and talked and communed with him and had a trust built not based on what he'd done, but based on how good God was to him, even when he messed up, to the point to where it come when he had to take his son, his only son, and take him up a mountain and up a hill. Do you know what God did? I said, I want you to give me your son. And he trusted him so much that he knew, I can trust God in this. And God took care of him in that too. You can trust God. You can trust him with every breath in your being and every cell. Ephesians, you're like, man, is he ever going to get through this? No. (laughs) Would be the correct answer. Ephesians chapter 2 says this. As for you, you were dead in your transgressions and sins in which you used to live. Now watch this. In which you used to live. When you followed the ways of this world and of the ruler of the kingdom of air, the spirit of who is now at work in those who are disobedient. Okay, now there's a lot to unpack right there. Not really. Like, you don't have to be a theologian to understand what he's talking about. You can, you can be a cowboy, and sometimes I'll wear my cowboy hat just to remind you, because I figure you guys probably won't think I'm a cowboy unless I wear a cowboy hat. Because <laughs> everybody wears a cowboy hat, obviously, is a cowboy. <laughs> right? But it's saying, as for you, you were dead in your transgressions and in your sins. What he's saying is, is you didn't have the life that you could have because you hadn't accepted the sacrifice that Jesus had paid already for you. Do you know every person that's ever lived, ever breathed, whether you talk about the evil guys like Chairman Mao or, or Stalin or Hitler or all them, all they ever would have had to do was say, Father, forgive me. Because you know what? When Jesus was on the cross, he died and paid for every one of their sins. Now, when we think about Jesus on the cross, we just think, oh, well, maybe I jaywalked. <laughs> Told the white lie. You know, he bore that, but I'm not sure he's... He had all that come down on him, and he bore that. And can you imagine a holy God taking on all the punishment and all that darkness and all that stuff? But he took all your stuff, too. Not just some of it. So here's the problem when in the law, we think, well, I'll keep the law. But the problem is, is if you don't keep the law 100%, you haven't kept the law. Because the Bible says you will keep all of this. So that means if you tell a little white lie, you're just as guilty as the murderer. Do you know what I'm talking about? Who can live up to that? Who wants to live up to that? You know what I'm talking about? So, so you find that, that this, this um, mechanism that we manufacture in our mind through religion or through other things where we try to be good enough. And our focus is, if I can just be good enough, and I can just do this and do that, and all we get is a bunch of doo-doo. You know what we do with doo-doo in the horse stalls? Throw it out. It's good for fertilizer, but that's about it. You know what I'm talking about? And that's the same in your life. 
You just got to throw that out and say, do you know something? I don't want to do. I want to go in done. It is finished. When Jesus bowed his head, he said, it is finished. I've done it all. It's complete. You don't have to worry about anything else because I have finished the work completely and totally. And you have nothing else to worry about. Rest in me. Let go of that guilt. Let go of that shame. The Bible talks about in Isaiah, he said, I'll give you double honor and no shame. Woo, man. It is in a different church, we could run around the building. <laughs> well, we could do it in this church too, I guess, but I'd have to take like a five-minute break and take this off. Because that would be, oh, i got to breathe now. Right? But you know what I'm talking about? Double honor and no shame. No sin is bigger than the cross. None. Nada. I didn't say it. He said it. So he's like, as for you who were dead in your transgressions, in which you used to live when you followed the ways of the world and the ruler of the kingdom of the air, the spirit who is now at work and those who are disobedient. And we can see, like, well, what's that talking about? You know, the, the ruler of this world. Do you know how, how the ruler of this world operates? Through fear. God's God of faith. You, you want to know... How, when the enemy's working, it's everything that's opposite of what God is. Right? Instead, instead, instead of faith, there's fear. Instead of acceptance, there's you'll never live up, never be good enough. There's condemnation, and there's guilt, and there's shame. And God said, I am your peace that's broken down every wall. Peace isn't just an object, but it's a person, and his name's Jesus. The same with grace isn't just a thing, but it's a person, and his name's Jesus, and he loves you. And the reason I talk about him is because the Bible says, when I lift him up, he draws all men unto him, and it sets us free, and we know. I'm not walking in the ways of this world. You can see the fear tactics. You can see it through governments, through media, through churches, through families, principals. I had a principal in school. Man, he had a big paddle. I don't know if you kids know what those are nowadays. <laughs> Thank God. Right? Holes in them. Because somehow it was scarier. He said it hurt more, but I didn't want to find out. <laughs> right? And, man, it was fear and intimidation, right? But as soon as I got out of his sight, man, I was kicking my heels up. Sticking my tongue out. You know what I'm talking about? Or am I the only one that needs prayer? <laughs> right? But the system of the world and the kingdom of the world is about destruction and about fear, not about faith. And that's what I'm impressed with you guys braving this apocalypse and the coronavirus and all that. You weren't afraid of a time change, you weren't afraid of, of a cold. I mean, how scary could a a virus be that's named after beer. <laughs> What's the next one? Budweiser and Coors are lining up so they can get the marketing off of it. This ain't fair. Well, we had it first. You know? So, we can walk in faith. We can, we can, we can say, you know what? I've got a choice to make. I can choose faith or I can choose fear. Right? 
There's this dude in the Bible. Now watch this. God's promises come without the curse. Because Jesus became a curse for us by hanging on the tree. But God's protection plan is through the atonement of Jesus' blood. So we can count on, hey, I can trust in what you've done. But back to this choice we get. There's this guy in the Bible. His name was Joshua. Anybody hear of Joshua? Right? So in Joshua chapter 1, we got started in chapter 2. We're on our way of Ephesians. Joshua chapter 1. After the death of Moses, a servant of the Lord, the Lord said to Joshua, son of Nun, Moses, I wonder if, if Moses died from the time change or the coronavirus. <laughs> it don't say, does it? Pretty sure neither one. Moses, my servant, is dead. Now then, you and all these people get ready to cross the Jordan River into the land I'm about to give to them, to the Israelites. I will give you every place where you set your foot, as I promised Moses. Your territory will extend from the desert to Lebanon and from the great river to the Euphrates, all the Hittite country to the great sea of the west. No one will be able to stand up against you. All the days of your life, as I was with Moses, so will I be with you. I will never, listen, do you know what never means in Hebrew? Never. Pretty, pretty big, huh? I will never leave you nor forsake you. Be strong and courageous because you will lead these people to inherit the land I swore to their forefathers to give them. Be strong and very courageous. Be careful to obey the law of my servant Moses Moses gave you. Do not turn from it to the right or to the left that you may be successful wherever you go. Do not let this book of the law depart from your mouth. Meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do everything written in it. Then you will be prosperous and successful. Now, how many of us are going to do everything that's written in this book? Thank God for the blood of Jesus. Right? What is he saying, though? He's saying, don't let what everyone else is saying dictate how you're going to live. Right? What he's saying is, what does God say about this situation? What is God saying about your situation? What is God speaking to you in the midst of all hell breaking loose? What is God saying to you? Are we going to choose to stand up and say, you know something? I can choose life or I can choose death. I can choose to walk with God and trust God or I can choose to walk in fear. Now, God ain't going to leave you because you're afraid. There's a lot of situations I get in, put into and it's God's fault he puts me into them. I'm like, why'd you send me here? Why am I doing this? You know, it's not my fault. And I could be afraid, and sometimes I start out afraid. And then that peace and that joy starts bubbling up. And I'm like, you know something? God sent me here, and he, he put this in my heart, and I'm going to accomplish what I, I'm set here to accomplish. I choose life. I'm not going to say a lot of times what I'm thinking. I'm going to say what God is saying. Do you hear what I'm talking about? Jesus was watching up off the mountain. He sent the disciples across the Sea of Galilee. He put them in the boat. He said, I want you to go, and I want you to go now. 
Like, that's not right. Because, like, if you're going to do that, he should at least have some angels that were like powerboats and just go... <laughs> you know, because God told him to do it. You're not ever going to have any opposition because God, Jesus told you to do it. Come on, right? So here he is. They're in their boat waiting for the angels to go speedboat and a... Nothing happened. They're rowing and a storm arises and they're in the middle. And the wind and the waves are crashing. Man, if you've ever been out on, a, on the water, which I'm sure a lot of you guys have been, have seen the waves when they're, it's windy and not really storming bad. It's scary. Can you imagine? They're like, we're, we're going to die. This is over. And they were so convinced they were going to die that when Jesus saw them, and he saw him freaking out from the mountain. He's like, man, what's the matter with those boys? I told them they'd get to the other side. Man, they're walking with me and talking with me. They see me raise the dead and heal the sick. And they're freaking out over a little storm. So here he comes. He's walking on the water. And they were so convinced they were going to die, they thought it was a ghost. They thought they'd already drowned or something. Oh, my God. It's a, oh, it's Jesus. He, Whoa, he can't do that. Right? Jesus sent them there. So that really wrecks the ideal, this great theological ideal that when you meet Jesus that he's never going to send you somewhere that you're not going to have a problem or a struggle. Do you know why? Because we're created to be problem solvers. We're created to be conquerors. We're, we're created to overcome. Amen? We don't shrink back. And so here he's telling jo Joshua, he's like, like, be strong and of good courage. Now, God never talks to me like that unless I'm afraid. You know what I'm talking about? I don't have to be strong and courageous when I'm strong and courageous. Like, I don't have to ease a horse. Like, when they're like bold and doing everything, I'm like, I don't know. I'm like, that a boy, that's the way to go. But if they're like, I'm like, easy boy, you're all right. You got this? What is it saying? Joshua was overwhelmed. That's got to be freaky to him. He's like, oh man, now I'm the one in charge. Now I'm the one that's responsible. What are we going to do now? So God's like, I tell you what you're going to do. I've called you, Joshua, and I've appointed you, and I've chosen you for this day and this time, and you're, we're not going to shrink back, but we're going to spring forward. We're going to go forward. It's not about the past, but it's about what I want to do in the future. And I'm going to bring you into a place that you never dreamed of. See, we see little Israel like this, and they're trying to shrink it down like this even more. But the land that God actually allotted for Israel is way bigger than, than what they want now. God's promise. And one day, that will come to fruition. Right? But God said, that's free, by the way. I just threw that in. Right? You're welcome. So, so we can trust. You know what? I'm not shrinking back. I'm going forward. You know, some, you can get some really good deals now when everyone else is freaking out. <laughs> you know what? Plane fares are dropping. Man, you get extra at the buffet. It's like a buffet. First time I ever saw that word. I'm from Oklahoma, and I, was, I heard that word buffeted. Satan buffets you. I'm like, I ain't going to that restaurant. <laughs> They're like, no, that's buffet. I was like, they can't spell worth a darn. 
right? But God says, you know something? Go forward. Don't shrink back. This is your time. This is your time personally. This is a time for Silver Lake to, to grow like you've never seen anything and for God to reach even more people than it's ever reached. This is a time for your families to come back to Jesus. And because God's not just the God of the individual, but he says, I'm for household salvation. This is a time to rejoice and say, yeah, it's a reminder to us, kind of, we've got a time change. So we can either look at it as the apocalypse or we can look at it as the blessing of God resetting the clock and making all things new so that we can go forward and live for him in, in strength and in courage and, and just in his love and peace. Amen? Amen? So, Father, we thank you. Thank you for your word. Thank you for being with us. I just ask that you just strengthen us in your courage and in your love and in your might. And let us be witnesses in the midst of the chaos going around us. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank you for listening. If you'd like to learn more about us, check out our website at www.silverlakebaptist.org.